Thanks for listening to this audio podcast from Redemption Life Church. Listen as Pastor Michael Cox teaches on What Are You Thinking? Part 4. Man, we're going to jump in. Um, This is week 23 of What Are You Thinking? I think it's week 4. We will get to week 23 maybe. But week number 4, what are you thinking and so today I want us to go to 1 Peter chapter 1. We're going to start in verse 13. I just want to talk today about preparing our minds for action. 1 Peter 1, 13. Therefore, prepare your minds for action. Isn't that amazing? See, as what I just told you. Keep sober in spirit, fix your hope completely, say completely, on the grace to be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. As obedient, just go ahead and say that word, obedient children, do not be conformed to the former lusts which were yours in your ignorance, but like the Holy One who called you, be holy yourselves also in all your behavior, because it is written, you shall be holy, for I am holy. Is my voice going to drive y'all crazy today? Amen. That was very definitive. I like that. You have authority, power. There we go. King James, I love the King James in this passage, verse 13. It says, wherefore, gird up the loins of your mind. Wherefore, out thou art, gird up the loins of your mind. Be sober and hope to the end for the grace that is to be brought unto you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Gird up the loins. Prepare your minds for action. Gird up the loins of your mind mind. Okay. The mind, I'm going to talk about stuff I don't know about, like I know about it. And somebody here will probably be like, you're, bless his heart. (laughs) (laughs) Gavin will probably look at me and say, bless his heart. If I start talking about computer stuff today, (laughs) I used to piddle with computers until I got a Mac. Now I don't have to piddle with them anymore. They just work, you know? (laughs) So, out of the box, they work. No, but um, I do remember it was great fun back in the day. You know, you could build your own and you could take out things and get different video cards and all that. You know, when I worked with a personal computer, could do all that stuff. I just felt like Donald Trump right there. (laughs) You know? Those huge computers, and you put stuff in them. The biggest, the best, the awesomest computer. Better than any other computer ever been made. Um, And it don't bother me a bit, because I want to be the best, right? I love that. (laughs) Yeah, we are the best ever. No. Um, 
But my wife has her head buried in her hand. Emily, don't ask that out loud. That's, in, that's an internal question. Where is this going? You ask yourself that in your mind. You don't ask that out loud. All right? So here's the deal. I'm bringing up these old computers for a reason. I used to know a little bit about computers. I used to be able to go in and change some of the hardware and upgrade stuff, and it was fun. And if the computer wasn't working to the level that it should, you could add RAM, right? Which I don't know what it is. It, it makes it faster, okay? It's like memory. It's like how fast it can remember and process information. It's all that matters, okay? Don't be that guy right now or that girl. Don't be that person right now, all right? Just, just roll with it, okay? Um, and, and another thing we used to do is we would do this thing. Dad taught me some of this stuff. My dad loved PCs, and so he had a friend that was just a master on them, and he would teach dads these things. And then dad would try to do it, and he would just screw his computer up all the time. Dad's computers were always messed up because he was always working on them, and then they were always messed up, you know. And he knew just enough to be dangerous, right? And that guy was teaching these things. And then dad would teach me, so I'm learning from somebody who knows just enough to be dangerous. But we would defrag. Let's get to the point, please. We would defrag a computer. Is that how you say it? All right. And you could literally just watch it. It's the hard drive, right? Defrag the hard drive or whatever. And the CPU is like the sum of all of it, you know, like, just, just, just work with me here. Your mind is like this computer processing unit, okay? And it has all these facets that determine how well it can process information, okay? So if you want to prepare your mind to work effectively, okay, you got to defrag it. Okay, so what we would do is, you could literally watch, it was cool, man, it was like a 1980s arcade game. The screen was full, maybe, the, maybe it doesn't do this way anymore, but the screen would be full of like blocks, and you would literally have openings. And it would like, I don't know how it all works, but it would like save information, and it would leave gaps, right? And you go back and delete stuff, and it like had this stuff spaced out. I don't know how Mac does it because I don't have to do it to it. It does it itself. You know what I mean? But I'm just, I like to talk about Macs even though mine has a virus and I don't know how to fix it. So <laughs> I'm not that guy either. But you go in and essentially what it would do was like remove all of the gaps and remove all the things that were kind of like unneeded spaces and where you've gone in and done stuff and blah, 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 blah. And like compact the information. I don't know how many I got. <laughs> Not as many as Jahan got. Ooh, solitaire. Kalkaduku. Kalkaduku's awesome. Weather, that's one of my kids drawing a flower. That's one of my kids playing some deer game. That's one of my kids playing golf. One of my kids playing fox. Okay, all right, here we go. 
Now my phone will work faster, but I had to go in and take that stuff out. Okay? And so you got to defrag it. Because Proverbs 23, 7 says, for as he thinks within himself, so he is. If you look at um, Isaiah 43, 18, do not call to mind the former things or ponder things of the past. Behold, I will do something new. Now it will spring forth. Will you not be aware of it? I will even make a roadway in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. To prepare our mind for action is to be prepared to move forward. And we have to remove some of the things that are not necessary in the memory. We can't dwell on things in the past. It's very dangerous to go forward while looking back. If you see this picture of girding your lo- the loins of your mind, okay, this is referencing they would wear, just for lack of a better word, dresses, okay, robes, that's better, robes. And men going into battle would have their robe on and they would get their robe and they would tie it up. That's girding your loins. So they would be, I even looked up how they did it. It's really cool. They take all the material, bring it to the front, send it through to the back, bring it around, tie it around the front like your hoodie, you know. And so then you've got shorts or rorts out of a robe, rorts. And you get on your horiot with your rorts and it'd be a good thing, you know. If you miss weeks, you won't get stuff, okay? Okay? Now, so, I mean, I'm just saying, you, you got to be, you got you to get it all. So they tie it up. And so this is the picture. I mean, if we're going to be able to do action, if we're going to be able to move, do move forward, we've got to tie up, gird up the loins. We've got to remove excess stuff. We can't possibly function properly with all of this stuff hanging around all of this baggage, all of this, this, these things. And so you can't dwell on the past. I'll tell you a sad story. My son, Elias, when he was, how old, about the DVR, nine years old, I was cleaning the DVR. I was deleting stuff from the DVR because we could not record anything else because they record every show they ever want to see and there are thousands of them and then you can't get anything else in there. And I was trying to free up some space in the DVR and here's Elias, he's probably nine years old. Nehemiah was a baby, two two or three years old. Um, And Elias, he said, what are you doing? And I explained it to him and he went to bed and he came back down from bed, just absolutely hysterical, bawling. Because I said, son, there's only so much memory. And you have to remove stuff so that you can fit new stuff in it. And he came downstairs and he said, dad, am I going to remember this time of my life? Because it's, I'll run out of RAM too. I mean, memory and then I'll have to. 
And Nehemiah, is Nehemiah going to remember me playing with him? Is Nehemiah going to remember me taking care of him? Is Nehemiah going to remember this stuff? Yeah, that's what I was doing. <clears throat> Just a sad story I want to tell you. Just, work, just wanted to work it in. You cried. We've done our job. You cried at church today. I can put that on my social media post. Church was amazing. There wasn't a dry in the room. That's all we're going for is clicks, you know, religious jargon, you know. We'll try to get some. Everybody was crying. But we have to defrag. We have to get rid of it. We're trying to... We're trying to process information, and we're doing it with a processor that is so full of past experiences, and every new thought we're trying, it's trying to find a space in the middle of all of our old thoughts and all of our old ideas and all of our old experiences and all of our old rejection and all of our old disappointment. And we're trying to process new relationships. And the only place we can find to try to process it is right between, between two relationships that were broken. We need to defrag some of that stuff and get it out. We need to have selective memory. You have selective, my wife says I have selective hearing. You need to have selective memory. Like you only need to remember whatsoever things are pure, holy, and of good rapport and meditate on those things. We have to stop doing this. I was talking with somebody this week and the Lord just spoke something to me. And after I shared it, I thought, oh my gosh, that is that's for me, that's for everybody, that's powerful. You know, when, when you rehearse that place of brokenness or disappointment and you give language to it to share with somebody, you've just brought it into a new place in the CPU. It had this registered point of control, registered point of control of the space of your mind, okay? And it was there, and you're trying to process, you're trying to defrag, and I just want to suggest to you today that every time you rehearse it again, not only do you go back and affirm that it belongs there, but you take up more space down here with it. And then you take up more space down here with it. And one hurt now controls massive space on our hard drive. One thing is not supposed to take that much room, but at the time we put it there, and I, I mean, I'm, I'm, so, I'm so serious about this. I think our, we have so much power in what we say. I would not even structure words again that frame the sentences that define those points of register control. I would not give them language ever again in my life. I would not tell the story again. No matter how hurt I was, don't tell the story to another person again. Don't give it a new benchmark. Don't give it a new bookmark. Don't give it a new place. 
and I would be finding a way to remove it, release the debt, release the person we talked about last week, forgive that, let God make a new place, let God override it, overrun it, let him put something over top of it, see where he was in that, see how he can redeem that, He see how he can restore the years that the locusts have eaten. Look at God, look to him, and let him override it. But you can't have him override it here and then say it again here and say it again here and say it again here and say it again here. Am I the only person that needs to hear that? Let me just, I just want to, just with my wife, I just want to talk to both. I just want to, you know, it's there, boom, boom. Tomorrow, I don't have to look back 10 years. I only have to look back to yesterday because that's the last time I talked about it. Now it's got a new spot. It's got a new spot. I don't have to go back to when it happened 15 years ago. It's last week it happened because that's the last time I brought it all back up again and shared it with somebody else. The sad thing is that person you shared it with, now it's on their hard drive. Isn't that crazy? Saw a meme the other day said, somebody hates you because of a lie someone told about you. Isn't that sad? That's what borrowed offense does. So there's history, there's things in the past, there's things that want to keep inserting themselves. It's bad enough they took space already. Let's don't keep letting them come up again. Let's be done with them. Let's quit focusing on the past and let's be looking to the one that makes roads in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. That's what I want to be focusing on. Having my mind ready for action. I can't be going forward unless I'm looking for a road. I can't be looking back at the last pothole. Let's go forward. And so let's get rid of past. Let's get rid of registered points of control. You know, your mind is so powerful. I didn't even realize this. I mean, I've heard of hypochondriacs. I've heard of phobias. Anybody ever watch those shows about phobias? Dude, there's some crazy phobias. Oh, I saw, oh, that's nasty. I'll tell it anyways. I saw this one one time where this person had this habit of eating their hair. Anybody ever seen that? Twirling their hair and, you know. And all of a sudden, this person got, got so sick, it was a little girl. And she almost died. And they went in. And literally when they removed this hairball, it had completely and totally, she couldn't eat. She could not eat a bite. She would eat and it just, bleh. it, it had totally, it was, her stomach was so full, you pulled it out, it was just shaped like a stomach. Isn't that crazy? Isn't that just insane that someone would, would just sit there and can, uh, well, <laughs> Compulsively, that's the word I'm trying to think of. Compulsion, compulsively, like just let something dominate them so much that they can't eat anymore, that they can't live. But we do it all the time. These phobias, these things. Do you know that there's this thing called, you, of course, y'all know it. Y'all probably know things. I don't know. But there's this thing, let me see what it's called one more time uh, phantom pregnancies. Have you ever heard of phantom pregnancies? This is people that believe they're pregnant and they're not. 
Now, here's the power of your mind. They feel the baby's kick. Their bellies grow. This part right here is going to blow your mind. They produce milk for their baby. How in the world does that happen? How does your mind literally change your anatomy? As a man thinks, so he is. And so we, it's so important to prepare our mind, to train our mind for action, because we can't be something that we think we're not. We had to inform our mind. We have to prepare our mind. We have to defrag stuff from the past. We have to bind up. First Peter 5, 8 says, Be of sober spirit. Be on alert. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion seeking whom who, someone to devour. That first verse, it says, Gird up the loins of your mind. Be sober and hope to the end for the grace that's brought to you in the revelation of Jesus Christ. Gird up the loins of your mind. Defrag your hard drive. Tie up the verse. I don't know how I got them out of order, but um, you're surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses. Where is that? I don't know where I put that. I know, but I don't know where I put it. Oh, right here it is. Uh, lay aside every encumbrance. I love the Passion Translation. It says the wound that's pierced you and the sin which so easily entangles us and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. That's, that is girding up the loins of your mind, putting aside things that have damaged you, things that have hurt you, wounds that have pierced you, sin that entangles you. Gird up your loins, defrag your hard drive, and keep sober in spirit. Be sober because your adversary is a like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. And so you got to be sober because you can't have demonic thoughts coming in. Because he wants to devour you, so he wants to give you these thoughts. And we just see how powerful our mind is. It literally can change our anatomy. It can literally change who we are. So we have to be sober. I didn't mean to follow this all the way with computers today, but just during worship, I thought of this, this sober-mindedness is clear-headedness. It's not just talking about not being drunk. It's talking about not being drunk on wrong thoughts and bad ideas. And so just how you need to defrag and, and you just have information packets that need to go away, I believe not being sober is allowing viruses in there. Not only just thoughts that bog you down, but you literally bring things in that are destructive and demonic. And we talked about it a few weeks ago with strongholds. And so there's viruses in there. And if you're not sober, you allow those demonic things. He's looking around, seeking whom he may devour to steal, kill, and destroy. And he wants to embed into your thought processes tainted viruses of demonic thought, and we have to be sober. We have to put on the mind of Christ. We have, to, we have to gain insight and revelation from his word. We have to be in his presence. We cannot be susceptible and just, 
I love the, you got to stand for something or you fall for anything. If we aren't fixed on something, we'll just be totally susceptible to anything. Like a two-year-old playing with a keyboard on a computer. That's dangerous. Because they'll go on to websites and they'll go on to all kinds of stuff. And they'll, they don't know, you know, I remember when my kids first started getting phones and different things and they were going to win a million dollars and they were going to get free shoes and they were going to get all this stuff. Because they kept going on my phone and there'd be a pop-up, sorry, and they would click on it because it said promised on the moon. And they're like, Dad, I don't remember which one. I mean, one of them literally came to me one day. I think it was Josiah. Lice did too. You probably both have. Dad, they're shipping this thing to me. It's awesome. I can't even believe it. It's totally free. They're sending me this thing. And I was like, what did you click on? Show me what you clicked on. Show me what the link was. Show me, you know, blah, blah, blah. Like the, like the medicine commercials that for toe fungus. It's cure-all medication. But, sorry, we're going to say this really fast, and we're going to put it on the bottom of the screen in fine print. You may die from this medicine. It's too good to be true. But if you don't believe anything, you're susceptible to everything. It doesn't take much to get you sidetracked with some crazy thought process because you weren't on your guard. And I'm not saying walking around looking for devils under every rock. I'm saying fixing our eyes on Jesus Fixing our eyes on Jesus. I remember I was preaching one time years ago, and I, I took this uh, passage, and we don't sit around and look at rocks. We don't sit around scared to death. Oh, my goodness, I don't want to get tripped up. I don't want to fall on a stumbling block. But here's the thing. If you've got your eyes on Jesus, you're high-stepping. You understand? If you got your eyes on Jesus, you're trying to get to him. You're trying to get to him so you don't get tripped up. What happens is obstacles become stepping blocks. And every obstacle that comes takes you to a new height because you're focused on him. You're not wandering around, not looking at anything, and you're not totally always consumed with making sure you don't fall. Just focus on him. Be sober. James 1, 5 through 8. But if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God who gives to all generously and without reproach, and it will be given to him. But he must ask in faith without doubting. For the one who doubts is like the surf of the sea, driven and tossed by the wind. For that man not, ought not to expect that he will receive anything from the Lord. Being a double-minded man, unstable in all his ways. The passion says being undecided makes you become like rough seas driven and tossed by the wind. You're up one minute and tossed down the next. When you're half-hearted and wavering, it leaves you unstable. Can you really expect to receive anything from the Lord when you're in that condition? This double-mindedness Man, we're, we, if we're going to be preparing our mind, we've got to quit focusing on the past. We've got to be intentional about what we're going to allow to use our hard drive, right? We've got to be sober. We've got to be focused. We've got to be alert. And we've got to be singularly set 
We cannot be double-minded. We can't serve God and man. We can't serve God and the world. We can't be looking for him to answer. You know, people on Facebook, if you do this, don't do it. Let me just tell you. Hey, somebody in our house isn't feeling well. Send prayers, good thoughts, vibes, blah, 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 blah. You know, those things cancel out, right? I can't send both of those. Which one do you want? If you want prayer, I need to pray believing in God that he's going to bring healing to your house. I can't do that while I'm trying to conjure up good vibes to send too. I can only do one or the other. We're either going to believe God to heal your body or we're going to play some stupid game with some religious thing and try to send vibes. Which one do you want? If you want some vibes, go get a paper, see what your horoscope says today, and you can decide whether you can get healed today or not. But if you want me to pray to a God who's not limited by time or by space and who can move on your behalf even if I'm not there putting my hands on you and I'm sitting in my living room and I'm praying for you, then I can do that. But I can't do both. If you want me to be double-minded, we're not going to get an answer. How could that kind of man expect to get anything from God? if he's double-minded, unstable in all their ways. So we can't have the baggage of trying to listen to two. I thought today about having two people come on the stage and somebody in the back trying to get to them. Um, I think Jahan did this before, so I didn't do it because I didn't want to be a copycat. But how hard would it be to have two different people yelling two different sets of instructions trying to tell you to go two different places and make it to either one of those places effectively. That's why we're up one day and we're down the next because we're constantly changing who we're listening to. We're thinking we're on a path and then we get confused because we're trying to balance our life. We're trying to balance our faith. We're trying to balance where we get our worth from and our significance from. And then so on Sundays, we're getting it from God, and it's awesome. And then on Mondays, we might be trying to get it somewhere else. And Tuesday, we may have a Bible study at night. And we're just back and forth about what we're trying to believe and where we're trying to find our strength and our worth. So it says you've got to be sober, and it says to fix your hope completely. Y'all said that word on the grace to be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Prepare your mind for action. Be sober and fix, fix, set your mind. Put on blinders. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. As for me and my house, we will trust God. We will believe God. He will be our provider. He will be our healer. He will be our source for everything. He won't be our last resort. He'll be our first stop. He'll be our first consult, not our second opinion. He'll be the one we turn to. Some trust in chariots. Some trust in horses. But my help comes from the Lord. And that's who I'll trust 
We have got to be resolute, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the author and the perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God, fixing our eyes, setting our mind. Colossians 3, 1 and 2, Therefore, if you have been raised up with Christ, keep seeking the things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Verse 2, set your mind on things above and not on things that are on earth. Prepare your mind. Be sober and set it. Fix it. I don't remember the exact calculations, but I have heard stories before and I've actually seen them put it. I think I actually used a video one time in a sermon, but if you were trying to go from here to the moon and you got your calculations off on this end by the smallest degree, you would be hundreds, maybe thousands of miles away from your destination by the time you get there. It's important to set it correctly. Set your focus, set your direction, set your course on him and on nothing else. Set your mind on the things above. Romans 8, 5 and 8, for those who are, who are according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh. They set their mind on things of the flesh, but those who are according to the spirit, the things of the spirit. For the mind set on the flesh is death, but the mind set on the spirit is life and peace. Because the mindset on the flesh is hostile toward God, for it does not subject itself to the law of God, for it is not even able to do so, and those who are in the flesh cannot please God. We're about done. If you'll go to Matthew 16, I always like to leave you with some encouragement. Even if we've tried to bring some instruction. That may seem overwhelming sometimes. Man, how do I make sure I'm not thinking these things? Well, just be encouraged. Let's look at Peter. Let's see how jacked up he was. And it'll encourage you. Anybody, I shouldn't have even told you where it was yet, but do you know in Scripture where Peter, Jesus is asking the disciples, who do men say that I am? And do you remember Peter saying, you are the Christ? the son of the living God. You remember what Jesus said back to him? Flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my father in heaven has revealed this. So Peter is in tune, right? I mean, he, his mind has to be set on the things of the spirit to get that data packet from heaven, right? He had to be focusing on the right place. He had to be trying to receive worth and information and revelation from heaven. He had to be positioned. I don't think God just throws that stuff on us. He's looking for people who are ready to receive and expecting of him. So that's an awesome story. It's a powerful place. You guys remember that story where Jesus is telling Peter that he's about to go and die on the cross and Peter rebukes Jesus and says, you can't do that. And Jesus tells Peter, get behind me, Satan. 
Because your mind is not set on the things of the Spirit, but your mind is set on the ways of man. You're processing this information wrongly. Somehow you forgot to defrag. You let how man handles situations somehow come into this filter of this process and you've made a wrong determination of this. Let's get you recalibrated back to getting the information you were getting from the Father, right? How many of you would know those two stories are the same story? You talk about up and down. This is all from Matthew chapter 16. Literally, blessed are you, Simon Barjona, because flesh and blood did not reveal this to you, but my Father is who is heaven, who, my Father who is in heaven. I also say to you that you're Peter, and upon this rock I'll build my church, and the gates of hell will not overpower it, and I'll give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatever you bound on earth shall have been bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth shall have been loosed in heaven. Then he warned the disciples that they should tell no one that he was the Christ. From that time on, Jesus began to show his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things from the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed and raised on the third day. Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him, saying, God forbid it, Lord, this shall never happen to you. But he turned to Peter and said, get behind me, Satan. You're a stumbling block to me, for you're not setting your mind on God's interest but man's. Literally, from... Simon Peter answered, verse 16, you are the Christ, son of the living God. Verse 22, God forbid, Lord, you can't die on a cross. Well, I mean, it's six verses. You got jacked up in six verses. Anybody ever get jacked up in six verses? Anybody ever be in here in worship? You are the Christ, the son of the living God. I can do anything but fail. Nothing is impossible for you. Walk outside, get in a car. That husband, I swear, that wife, I tell you, those kids, God, why have you forsaken me? Why have you put me in this impossible situation? with these impossible people. Deliver me, O Lord, from the hands of my adversary. Just somehow, it's real simple, man. We make this stuff so mysterious. Did a demon jump on you on the way to the car? No, did a demon jump on your wife on the way to the car? Or did somehow your experience in here not translate to transformation? And when you left here, you left your experience here instead of letting it refigure, recalculate, defrag move some hindrance, move some burden, move all those things so that you have a different perspective when you get in the car. Anybody ever been in an argument before you come to church? Come in church, worship your face off, go back and get in the car and pick up where you left off? (laughs) 
that was amazing service. What were we talking about on the way here this morning? <laughs> I'm not saying there won't be conflict, but my goodness, we have to prepare our mind for action. This coming together is believers creatively finding ways to to encourage one another to good works. That's why we don't forsake coming together. Because we're supposed to be coming in here, encountering God, encountering his his presence, and being encouraged by one another. And it's part of the preparation of our minds to do the work of the kingdom. And the work of the kingdom is not striving in labor. The work of the kingdom is living a fruitful life. And a fruitful life is not just how many people did you lead to the Lord last week. A fruitful life was how many times did you lay your head down on your pillow last night and go to sleep. And it was sweet and it was beautiful. That's the fruit of the kingdom. We measure success by what all we do. God measures success by who we are and how much we allow him to inform who we are, how much we allow him to make who we are, how much we allow him to change the way we think about ourselves and the way we think about him and the way we think about others. Joy and peace and the fruits of the spirit, that is the fruit of the kingdom. And when you bear much of that, God is glorified. That's his heart for you. Not that you do more stuff, but that you be more stuff. You be more free. You be more full for your good and for his glory. He wants your life to be running over. You got to tell yourself the truth. To prepare your mind for action. I was reminded of the woman with the issue of blood in Mark chapter 5. I'll close with this. Mark chapter 5, there's a woman who had an issue of blood for 12 years. Jesus is coming to town. She spent all that she has on physicians, and it says that none of them made her better. They actually made her worse. She had grown worse. But she heard Jesus is coming through town, and faith arose in her, and it says in Matthew chapter 5, did I say Matthew chapter 5? I lost it there. Mark chapter 4. One of those disciples that starts with an M, in one of those books, in one of those uh, chapters, there it is right there, see? Mark chapter 5. After the computer's closed, it's all gone, guys. So the addresses are gone. Uh, I don't know addresses of anything. <clears throat> but the entire time, she is, she's sitting somewhere first, and she says, if I, Faith arose, she said, if I can but touch the hem of his garment. That's King James. If I can but touch the hem of his garment, then I'll be made whole. I'll be healed. And so she prepared her mind for action by telling herself the truth that she had received. He is the Christ, son of the living God. She got one of those data packets downloaded. If I can touch his hem of his garment, I'll be made whole. And she rehearsed that while she pushed through the crowd. It says, while she's pushing through the crowd, she's, if I can but touch him, I'll be made whole. See, you've got to prepare your mind for action, and if you've got to keep your mind prepared for action while you're doing the action. Anybody ever got your mind prepared for action, started the action, 
get scared. Peter did. I hate to pick on him again. Jump out on the water. If it's you, Lord, bid me to come. I'm preparing my mind for action. If you say it, I'll know it's you and I'm coming. Got out there and the waves are high. Data packets started flashing up. I saw on the news last week, this guy drowned out here. And I'm out here walking on it, right? <laughs> Gravity, Newton's laws, all that started just coming through. And he starts sinking. Guys, prepare your mind for action. Be sober. Be alert. And get it set and fixed and keep going. Being set means, hey, I don't care what's happening. I'm going to say the same thing again. I'm set. I'm set. I'm set. I'm set. I'm determined. I'm resolute. I'm resolute. If I can touch his him, I'll be healed. If I can touch his him, I'll be healed. I'm going to set it, set it, set it. Fixing my eyes. Fixing my eyes. Fixing my eyes. There's just not enough resoluteness in the body of Christ. There's not enough determination. There's not enough perseverance. There's, there's hype. There's excitement. There's emotionalism. But it just doesn't. I love a long time ago. Oh, my goodness. I just went blank. What's the guy's name? Kurt. Uh, teach me how to live when the tongue is done. Kurt Franklin. Sang a song. I don't remember the song. But he, in the song, he talks about just religion and being raised in church. And he said, man, I need to know how to live when the tongue is done. It's not just about our experiences in here. All of this is to prepare your mind for action. It's to transform us into right thinkers, which will cause us to be right livers. It will cause us to be people full of joy in the Holy Ghost. Amen? Stand up with me, if you will. We can sing, there's a breaking in Corona. And we can get fired up about it while we're in here together. But it was a waste of time. If you don't leave here with a greater determination that you have authority to combat that curse in our land. Nothing in here is for show or for games or for anything. We want to come to greater, we want to go from glory to glory, greater revelation. We don't want talented musicians to sing pretty songs for us. We want worshipers to bear their soul before us that we can join them in declarations that transform who we are. Oh, Jesus. Help us prepare our minds for action. Actions that are done without a prepared mind won't last. You'll get started, but you won't finish. Because part of the preparedness is the faith packet that will carry you through it. We need to quit starting stuff 
that we haven't settled in our heart and our mind that God is going to do it and fulfill it. We love you. We love you. I just want to be right where we were before I started speaking today. What a beautiful place we've been in today. But God, right now, just before we leave, we just take this day. We just, we just look at this day. Look at our time together. Look at the songs we've sang. Look at the declarations we've made. Look at the interactions we've had. Look at the encouragement we've received today. Look at just the warm embraces that we've encountered. Look at what the sum of this time, this meeting, the words that we've heard, the words that we've rehearsed, the joy that we've experienced, the laughter that we've laughed. God, I don't want to leave one part of it here. God, let every thing that you have brought to us today and that you have displayed and that you have ordained, let it bring transformation in our lives. God, would you just, guys, would you lift your hands, if you will, if you want to receive, I'm going to ask God just to just to drop something on us today. God, would you just renew in us? We're here receiving. We're here surrendered. Would you just renew in us? Would you, maybe not renew, maybe we've never even really been in it to the degree, but would you birth in us just an intentionality Would, would, would the kingdom and would church and would religion and would spiritual things not just be like everything else in our world happen to us and sometimes it affects us and sometimes it doesn't? Would we today just become a people? Would you impart something to us? Would you birth something in us? Would you birth a revelation of the authority and the power and the opportunity we have to access the kingdom? Would you let us see what's available to us today? Would you call us to a place? Would you let faith arise in us that if we only would touch the hem of your garment, that if we only would respond to your nudgings and your leadings and your callings, come away with me. Come away with me. Listen to me. I want to speak to you. I want to encourage you. I want to correct you. I want to bring healing to you. I want to bring wholeness to you. I want to, I want to deal with some of the compulsions. I want to deal with some of the viruses. I want to deal with some of the packets that need to be deleted. I want to deal with some things in you. But will you believe? Will you yet believe that you can be transformed? Will you believe that you don't have to continue to think the way you've always thought? Can it just become more real to us today than it ever has before that this thing is not about trying to get in the right place at the right time so something can jump on us, but it is available to us. The kingdom of God is at hand, close enough to reach, close enough to grasp. 
And we don't have to earn it and we don't have to strive for it. All we have to do is present ourselves to you with faith, believing and expecting that you want to give us good gifts of the kingdom. You want to give us peace. You want to give us rest. You want to give us joy. You want to take hate and you want to take pain and you want to take mourning and you want to take ashes and you want to give us joy and you want to give us dancing and you want to give us freedom and you want to give us hope and you want to give us peace. Like never before can we just see the opportunity and the potential of a day, of a moment, of an encounter, of an experience and how it can shape and transform our minds and may may we be resolute to be a people with prepared minds, sober, sober, fixed and set on a mission, on purpose and let it translate to kingdom manifestation all around us in our lives, in our homes, in our families. Let transformation come. Let freedom come as we yield our life to you. Prayer team, will you come? I'm gonna give people an opportunity as we go today to receive prayer if they would like prayer. Such a powerful opportunity. This prayer team, they pray and intercede every service and believe God and come here today ready. To pray for you and with you and agree with you and reach with you and press with you and grab heaven with you, grab the kingdom with you and partake with you in Jesus' name. We thank you, God. We thank you for this opportunity. I thank you for every heart. I thank you for every ear. I thank you for hearers today of your word. I thank you for the moment and all the kingdom potential that it holds. Bless your people today. Continue to draw us to you. Draw us to a new level of glory. Give us faith and hope to believe that it's ours for the taking. Continue to reveal yourself to us. Show your face to us. Let your countenance be on us. Bless your people in Jesus' name. Can you say so be it if you're in agreement? If you want prayer today, as we leave, will you come down and let these folks pray with you for anything in your life? We love you. Don't forget the many things happening. Thanks for listening to this audio podcast from Redemption Life Church. Be sure to stay connected with us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Redemption Life.